podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Nina Kauser Show. Monday night kickoff. I'm not a big fan of them, but Liverpool won 3-0. Happy days indeed against Leicester City. And uh, they look like they're in big trouble. And um, yeah, I've got two incredible guests. So without further ado, let me introduce them to you. First up, fresh off uh, you know, his, his jolly holidays in Mexico, it's Guy Drinkle. Guy, welcome back to the Nina Kauser Show. And I think it's the first time officially you and I are speaking I think it is. Well, firstly, big thank you for covering me whilst I was on holiday. Um, and also a big thank you for Liverpool for not being shit whilst I was on holiday, because that would have ruined it. Yeah, Liverpool started winning when you like started winning when you were away, and I'm like, maybe it's the guy drinking jinx. But I was um, terrified when I came <laughs> back. I was like, nah, don't do it. <laughs> But you know what, a couple of wins since, so, you know, we, we can't beat you with that stick. And joining joining Guy on this podcast is somewhat of a familiar voice on the Nina Kauser show now. I, I love talking to him. He's awesome. It's Carl. Carl, welcome back. Thanks, Nina. I'm sure people are getting sick of my voice at this point, but at least it's it's on the back of wins, so that makes it a little more bearable. You know what, I can't think of the last time you and I covered a game and we lost. Like. D- I can't think. I, I think maybe earlier in the season there might. Oh, we were losing out to everyone and everything <laughs> at that point. Yeah, <laughs> you know that. Yeah, that doesn't count. But no, it's it's great to have you back on. And um, guys, we won three 0 So um, I do have a caller. I'll go to him in a minute. It's um, somebody that's playing tricks on us on Discord, but we will get to him in a minute. But before I go to our first caller, three um, 0 How do you feel after that? I'll come to Carl first. Yeah, I mean, job done, really. Um, I, I mean, it, all we can really do at this point is keep winning. We we talked about that the last time I was on and, and see what happens and hope we get some favours. And we're doing that well. I mean, you know, maybe it wasn't the, the brightest start of the game, but I think for the most part, we just controlled it and it ended up being very comfortable and now we have three more points on the the board two games to go and you know you have to believe now that the the team can can win out and it might not be enough for top four but nonetheless it'll still give us a lot of positives to to take away for for next season so it's just great now that there's there's some confidence back in the side yeah, I mean, Guy Drinkle, you and I, it, we might be hosting a Europa League podcast next season. Oh, <laughs> but isn't it nice to be breathing down the necks of, like, say, Newcastle and Man United? But I just get really frustrated because I feel like we've left it a little too late. Like, that's what annoys me. God, Fridays are going to be busy next season. Uh, no, <laughs> there's still time to fix this. Um, 
Yeah, it, 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 if it is too late, at least we've found something to take into next season. And it doesn't have to be the formation, of. although I'd like to see Trent and stuff continue into this uh, midfield, fullback mm. thing, whatever the hell we're going to call it. Um, but at least we're taking something good into next season. Because if this, mm. if the patchy, well, shit show, let's be honest, continued this entire season, maybe we would have finished somewhere similar to fifth. Maybe if we were like fifth to, let's say, seventh, we probably could have done that because, well, Spurs are worse than us. Um, Villa aren't consistent and Brighton a bit up and down as well. So we could have still finished somewhere similar with our awful performances. But we've gone on a run. We found stuff to take in, in, um, into next season. We found some, even beyond Trent, we found some players that could have a bigger role than people probably thought a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I, the lad who scored two goals tonight, which we'll talk about probably. Um, but if we do get Europa League, so be it. We've found something to take into next season. And that's probably the best thing we could have done, considering how the first two thirds of this season went. I think that's a fair assessment on both of your parts. So, yeah, it looks like Fridays might be busy for us, Guy Drinkle. And Fridays is just a busy day for me in general. So I'm not looking forward to that. So if, if you know, something could happen to the other two teams ahead of us, you know, they can drop some points and we get back into Champions League football, I'd, I'd appreciate that very much. Although I think Carl has got an agenda now because I think the Europa League final is in Dublin and I think people are swaying that way. But we'll we'll see what happens. And you know what? We said we had a caller on and we're going to talk about this game. So let's bring in our first caller. Playing tricks with us on Discord. Changed his name to the negative guy. Everyone got thinking and second guessing who it was. But it is a familiar voice on the Nina Kaza show. It's Kieran. Kieran, welcome back. Thank you, Nina. Stop playing tricks on us, my friend. That was, you, you got us all second guessing. But it's great to have you back on. My pleasure. Are you that person who has everything? the coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. The floor's yours, Kevin. Uh, well, I thought uh, the opening half an hour up until I got the first goal was a bit meh. For a while, but then I think once we got the first goal, which I have to say I thought was a really good goal, great ball, um, I, I can't mind who it was, and I think it, well, it'll come to me anyway. So obviously, I think um, it was a good, good bit of play for the goal. Um, and then after that, really, it was just an absolute pass tick. Um, we were, we were, we were never really troubled by them after that, and it was just a bit of a, a walk in the park, if I'm being brutally honest, and. Mm. I thought um, Curtis was really, really good tonight. I think mm-hmm. he's someone that I've been critical of in the past, but I have to say in recent weeks, uh, in our uh, resurgence, if you like, on our mm. 
but I want it on. He's he's been very good, you know, and he's really stepped up, and I'm pleased for him. Um, you know, I thought um, I just thought it was important that we got the points to keep the pressure on Manchester United and Newcastle. I think um, you know, I think uh, Newcastle especially will be under a lot of pressure going on that game against Brighton, which will be tough for them because. You seen what they did at the Arsenal. You seen what they did at um, the Emirates yesterday. You know they mm. absolutely played Arsenal off the park at times. Um, you know, so that there will be a tough game for them, and we hopefully the Brighton could do is a solid. But obviously, um, tonight's result also means that we're guaranteed Europa League at the very least. Should we not get the top four? Ideally, we'd obviously want the top four, but I think Europa would wouldn't be all bad. Obviously, the final would be in. Dublin next year, obviously, it'd be nice for some of the Irish Reds to see Liverpool potentially mm. in a major European final. So, yeah, we just have to keep what we have to win our remaining two games. The follow game Saturday, that'll be a tough game. They've been really good, particularly since Emery took over. So, that won't be easy. But, you know, um, like you said before, it was a good one tonight. And, you know, that's how it is. Good one. It was. And Kevin, you said something before we started recording the pod as well. And it's something what you kind of said there that, you know, when Liverpool scored their first goal, it was a bit of a mick take. I mean, I want to get your thoughts on this. And you, you mentioned this and I feel like it should be highlighted. How poor were left in terms of the fact that, you know, they are a rele- they are in a relegation scrap. Like the fact that there was no fight, there was no desire. And you were talking about this. Were you quite shocked at their approach? Or well, no approach? Well, to be honest, I I thought it was going to be. I thought they were going to give us a hell of a lot more, a lot more of a game than that because they've got the players who can. Mm. They hurt us on their day. You look at Madison, Barnes, and Vardy, and you know they've been crap this season. Obviously, Vardy's what thirty five, thirty six years of age, so it's understandable he's very much on the decline. But you know, you look at Madison, who is a very good player. Um, you know, they 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 just. I thought they would have actually give us more of a game and like you said before they're just shocking defensively you know um which I think it's down to Rodgers who as we know from his time at Liverpool he is not very good when it comes to coaching defenses um so like you said before I think Leicester only have themselves to blame I think if they had got rid of Ham a lot sooner then they might have been okay but I think they're in big trouble and they're going to be playing championship football next season Mad, isn't it, to think that? About, I think it was about seven years ago they were they were champions, you know? Yeah. Um, crazy, crazy things, you know, absolutely mad. But, Kevin, thank you so much for your call. And, My pleasure, um, Nina. I'll yep. see you. See you. Um, I'll be on after, fella. Oh, amazing. There you go. My first caller, signed and sealed. Kevin, you're, you're phenomenal. Um, enjoy the rest of your evening. I will. Thank you. Cheers. So that was Kieran kicking off the calling a caller segment. If anyone else else wants to call in, please feel free to drop me a line. Or if you don't want to call in and you're a bit shy, if you've got any questions, put them in the chat and we will definitely get to your question. Right, guys, I'm going to come to Guy first. Guy, team lineup, what did you make of it? I mean, Henderson came in. I think we were kind of expecting that because he's been out for a few games. Um, any surprises for the lineup? I think we know Nunes picked up an injury or something, so he wasn't going to feature. But the lineup, pretty much what we expected, right? Yeah, pretty much. I think if this was, even if we had everyone fit, I think this would be the ideal lineup. Maybe the only question marks Jota for Gakpo or um, 
I was going to call him Darwin, Diaz. <laughs> um, that seems to be the only small rotation we've done. Obviously, Henderson's missed a couple of games when um, Gakpo dropped back and stuff like that. But uh, no, that, I think that's definitely the same. Even, even when we had options, say we had Thiago back, it was still picking that midfield. And on form, you can't really argue with it. That is the team that's um, getting results. <laughs> I was going to make a point. Not performing, but getting results. But I uh, can't really say that after a 3 nil uh, win. But uh, no, I think this is Klopp's go-to to the end of the season. We we see we've seen in the past, haven't we? When we've gone on these runs, I think it was the uh, year we had no centre backs. Once we found something that worked, we just mm. went with it every week. And obviously, with us only playing one game a week, we can do that. So no, play, I think he's right to stick with the team that's working. So yeah, not no surprises. Maybe on the bench with Arta existing and obviously Carvalho existing as well, but. Yeah, you mentioned a few injuries, so maybe not a surprise on the bench either. Yeah, and um, Carl, um, your thoughts on the lineup? Were you surprised? Were you, were you okay with it? I'd like to get your thoughts. Yeah, I, I think it was the the obvious lineup mm-hmm. um, that we would have been expecting. I mean, I, I think Henderson's probably, especially after a rest, he's going to be ahead of Elliot for that right side. Um, I mean, personally, I wouldn't have minded seeing Gakpo in midfield again, but I think as soon as that news leaked that Darwin was out of the squad, I knew 100% that wasn't happening. Yeah. Because there was no way Klopp was going to go with no forwards on the, the bench because, you, you know, you want to have an option to change it. Um, so I think, you know, it was the... the the right selection on the night and, and obviously it panned out that way. It did. And Carl, I'm going to stick with you because it was something that Kieran said as well. So the first, um, I'd say the first like half an hour, um, pretty much, I thought the rest started off not cagey, but like I felt like Leicester had too much of the ball and they were too much in our half for my liking, which is maybe what you'd maybe expect from a team that was relegation, you know, is threatened by relegation. But Aside from three goals, not much happened, but just talk to me about the opening minutes of the game. I don't think much happened. I don't think we were, I think we were kind of feeling ourselves into the game at that moment. Yeah, I, I think early on, kind of Leicester expected, like you, you might expect in, in that, you know, the, the, the crowd was behind them. They were thundering into tackles. They were playing at 100 miles an hour. And we just seemed a little slow out of the traps. And, you know, we, we were, losing at the 50-50s we were you know there was marginal possible fouls but rather than just getting on with it our our players were complaining to the ref and you know it wasn't kind of the start you wanted to see and and then the game kind of seemed to to die a death somewhat you know I don't know if it was the case that Leicester just realized they had a a middle-aged man up front and they weren't going to score um and and the game then I I made a comment in discord at, at a point uh shortly before the first goal that I'd say all neutrals would have just stopped watching because it was just a very dull affair. Um, but then I, th- I think Liverpool just slowly started to, to feel their way into the game then. You know, they, they, the final pass wasn't quite there. It, it, but I think there was at one point like Trent had a chance to play a true ball, which would have given us a great chance and, and he, he messed it up. But you kind of just felt that we could just get that final ball right, that there, there was there was chances there for us. And obviously that, that was what was to come. Yeah, absolutely. And Guy, I'll come to you. Uh, talk to me about, because you mentioned something and... Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. 
we don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. It, before we start recording the pod and mm-hmm. you know I think we can all agree it wasn't the best game of football but we scored three goals mm-hmm. so you know what instead of like talking about play by play and all that I think what we should do is focus on the things that we liked in this game so was any particular player um you want to kind of highlight that you feel like we should start discussing so I'll let you take the lead on this one um I think the easy ones to to go to is Jones because I've not <clears throat> I've not mm. really had a chance to speak about him. Obviously, I've been on holiday and mm. I'm usually in the background of podcasts nowadays rather than on them. Um, mm. But I've well, I would say a doubter. Well, he's a doubter. Let's be honest. I've kind of always doubted Jones as a not a word this, not an option because I always thought he could do a job as a squad player, but it'd probably be at the detriment of his career. But I always, I never thought he'd take that jump into a starter. And it's really good to see that some, a lad who's obviously had loads of injury problems, he's had loads of selection problems because he seemed to fall out of favour with Klopp. Maybe that is just a combination of the injury problems, who knows. Yeah. Um, but it, it's good to see he, he grabbed his chance. Maybe he just needed to get fit and then have a run, which I think a lot of people are saying. He's finally got a run. Now we can actually judge him. But he's had runs in the past, and he's kind of... He had a little bits and bobs. Like, I think, was it last season where he did well against Porto and there was, like, a Brentford game? But then he'd, then he'd drop, like, a 4 out of 10, and you'd be like, eh. But on the, on this run to my... From the, bit, from the most bits I've seen, other than crap sports bar and shitty stream footage over in Mexico... He seems to have just been consistent, probably at a lowest, like a 7 out of 10. When I've heard Dave and the Raw lads speak about it, they're saying he's the consistent midfielder. He's been outperforming Fabinho, he's been outperforming Henderson, etc. So that's really good to see, and I think he is the main takeaway. Even even if you just ignore his goals, because obviously goals are, are lovely, they win you the games, but him performing well is probably the main takeaway. And Maybe he's not the starter going into next season. We know all the links were linked with McAllister, Caicedo, every midfielder in the Premier League. That's English, seemingly. But he's showing for next season he can at least be a big part of the rotation. And we know we're losing, lads, because Naby was part part of the rotation last season. Milner's always part of the rotation. Um, Who else are we losing? He could play similar roles to Bobby, even in certain situations. So he's taking, he could take roles of three lads who are leaving. Obviously we want to add to that, but I think Curtis Jones is probably the story of this last quarter of the season, or certainly this positive run, because I always doubted him whether he'd actually have a future here. I wanted him loaned for this season. Maybe that could have still been a better option for his career, because he has only played a, a relative handful of games for the entire season. But 
it's good to know we're going into the next season thinking Curtis Jones, no loan, no sale. He can be part of the squad, good homegrown option, and more mm. importantly, a good player to have in the squad. And we can play him in these games. Maybe we see when we come up against a lot better opposition because we've not really played too many good teams in this last part of the season, to my knowledge. Maybe Villas will be the test next weekend. I think it was only really great played. Yeah. I think his first game was Arsenal, wasn't it? Was it? That sounds about right. Yeah. But they're, but they're shit and obviously he was still sort of finding his feet. So they're yeah. Butlers, think, Nina. They're not yeah. good. That's my main takeaway is, is Jones for tonight and extended this running. Yeah, absolutely. And both of his goals were absolutely stunning as well. I took them with such confidence, right? Yes, absolutely. And that's nice. Yeah. I think I saw a tweet saying he's our highest scoring midfielder. Now I know like Henderson, <laughs> Fabinho yes. especially aren't known for goals, but to do that in like limited appearances is really impressive, and if he can take that in the next season, even if he hits like eight goals next season, that is just something else to add to the squad. Yeah, and you know what? It's a maybe wake up call for the rest of the midfield as well because I don't think he's got that many. Do you know what I mean? So shame on shame on our midfield right there. But yeah, I mean, Carl, I'm going to come to you. So the first positive we're going to talk about is, of course, Curtis Jones. I I love the fact that you know I too wrote this player off, did not know what his strengths and his weaknesses are. He's growing more and more. Um, I think he's definitely a viable option for next season, certainly off the bench. I love the fact that he's very young as well, which means he has a lot of energy. That midfield needs energy. He has that. You know, he's looking more and more confident in front of goal, not only scoring, but he's trying to find his teammates, trying to ping in some nice crosses. There's a lot of good that you can see in his games, things that he still needs to work on as well. But I think the key thing here is, He's going to go into next season unlike any other season for him because he's going to go in with a lot of confidence knowing that he might have a more of a say in what goes on next season. He might be called upon more. And I think that's only a positive and it's only, it's only not only a positive for him, but also a big positive for the team. But I want to get your thoughts on his performance today and the goals that he scored and, you know, just seeing um, a local lad kind of flourish because even though I'm not Scouse and nobody on this pod is Scouse, I think it's still nice to have that element of local lads doing well. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I thought it was another excellent performance from Jones. Yeah. I mean, he's just like what he offers to to the team. I mean, he, he's he's a very good carrier of the ball. Yes. Um, I, th- I think I saw someone on Discord recently describe him as a, a dual monster. Um, and I think that's a very apt description of him. Um, I think he, he's very tidy passer he you know he doesn't give the ball away much at all um i mean it's just a complete all round and then obviously the, those goals we knew he had them in his locker and people were saying Where, when's he going to bring those back to the front and and of course we've seen him do that in over the last few games um i mean he's gone from the point where we were talking about saying you know what does he offer to the team does, does he offer anything what's his role you know could you know do we send him out on loan do we sell him for 10 million to mid-table side, whatever the case might be. N- not only now are we saying he's a viable squad option, you know, but people are saying like, you know, whoever comes in, be that McAllister or, or Mount or the, the million other English midfielders, as Guy pointed out, you know, they're going to have a hard time getting them out of this team on current form because on current form, genuinely is one of the, the best midfielders in the Premier League at the moment. In, in terms of the, the last, you know, six, seven games. Mm. Uh, 
so it's it's just so positive and and really i mean when you look at it here like no matter where we finish now as we said maybe we've left it too late for top four but but if we get top four or even if we just take this positive finish away you know the the big key there has has probably been those two local lads in in jones and trent i know people are going to say salah and allison but salah and allison have been doing it all season they're the reason that we were in, even in contention mm. uh to, to to make this late run but you know the two local lads have been massive and you know you it's been so long you know since since gerard obviously left the team and, and then there was a big gaping hole there as far as local ads and we just hadn't mm-hmm. really brought enough through uh, you know there, there was always even when Gerard and Carragher were in the team there was others that kind of emerged and you kind of hoped you know that the likes of Stephen Warner and stuff and they, they were okay squad players for a spell maybe till, till the injuries got in the way but they were never quite there and you were just dying for some local ads to break into the team and, and at the moment we have two and and they're two of our key players and it's just it's great to have obviously you, you want to have great players in general but it just gives it that a little bit extra when they're local ads it does and you kind of have this belief that they, they care more and they want it more so carl i'm gonna stick with you what else did you like about the game any other player any any goal anything in particular um i'll let you um uh, take the next next um the next player or next positive from the game? Uh, yeah, I want to highlight Fabinho. Um, mm. I, I mean, we, we've talked about him on the, the last few pods have been on and on how this, this formation has allowed him to improve his game. You know, it's, he's been a lot more comfortable in it. He's a lot less ground to cover and it suits him better. And it's allowed him to rebuild his confidence and, and he started playing well. But I, I thought this was a particularly standout game for him. And maybe kind of earlier in the game when we were a little sloppy and, and the game itself was, was sloppy, I, I feel he was someone trying to get on the ball and, and make things happen. You know, he was winning a back high up the pitch. You know, he was finding the likes of Salah out in wide areas and, and kind of creating attacks. And I, I think he was a, a real key player for us. And, you know, that it's great to see because, it you know, as I said, while he's looked a lot more comfortable, he's looked decent recently. You know, I wouldn't say he's looked kind of back to himself, but this is potentially the closest we've seen to, to Fabinho at his best was today and and it was when as I said we we needed him you know we needed one of our senior players maybe to to kind of just get into it and and get us going and and I felt he really did that yeah he really did and I love the fact that he was kind of like being the shield in front of the defense getting his foot getting his foot in you know intercepting doing all the things that he usually does and also it I think it made his life a lot easier didn't it um uh, guy in the sense that there's players close to him which makes his defensive job a lot easier and he, he tried having a few thunderbolt shots as well you know like recreating the man city moment didn't quite work for him today but good to see him in those positions the fact that he's covering so much ground considering we were all kind of questioning his legs um of course i still think we will be looking for another defensive midfielder next season i truly believe that but it's just good to see fabinho displaying those performances that we became accustomed to and we loved the weird thing nina is we've not obviously if anyone gets insider information and stuff like it might be different but in terms of the general links they're all number eight aren't they i mean we've got McAllister mount uh well Ugart kind of but that's portuguese Mm. press who knows with them but they are mostly just eight so maybe (laughs) it's just kind of accidental uh favoritism there to home press you're welcome james pierce (laughs) 
media matters plug um but no we've not really been linked strongly obviously it might change but we've not been strongly linked with any number sixes um so maybe Klopp is seeing it in training and maybe this new system and we finally figured, hey, the lad who couldn't really move too well four years ago might need some help. Um, but no, it is really good to see. And he... It's weird because I think if we go back to when we signed for Benio, I think everyone would agree the midfield was the last piece we kind of put into place. We obviously bought... Salah, and then we uh, we bought Van Dijk the windows previous, and then it was Fabinho and Allison in one window, and they were the last pieces of the puzzle. And obviously, Fabinho was dreadful this start of this season. Well, the most of this season, let's be honest. But it was kind of sad how quickly people just wrote him off. Yeah, because there's been players who, like, I don't, I don't want to like slag off other cult heroes and possible legends and stuff like that. But you've got lads like... We gave players, let's say, for example, not to badmouth him, but we gave Lucas, like, years of just free time. Fabinho has his first spell in the Liverpool shirt and he gets called shit and and everyone wants him out of the club. It's a bit mad for a player who basically came in and took our midfield to a new level to try and make him fuck off out the door. That kind of pissed me off. Maybe it's because of his political views and stuff like that which aren't great but we do separate that for other players um but it is kind of it was kind of sad to see how that went this season so it is really nice that he is finishing the season quite strongly and yeah if we do sign a number six say if it's a lavia or another young lad from out from the premier league or whatever or even if we just go with basetic at least we know fabinho is still in there and i think i mentioned it when i was um bigging up curtis jones earlier Curtis has probably been the best midfielder to the bits I've seen, but it's been nice to see that Fabinho has been gone back to being solid. And if yes. he can take another jump back to being fucking exception, exceptional, which I think he showed in bits and bobs tonight, because mm. we did see we did see a couple extendo leg tackles, which he used to do back in his pump. Yes. Um, if we just protect him a bit more with Trent close to him, um, or whoever the hell we play in midfield next season close to him, he's going to be an option. Like... We, we, as much as some people wanted it before this run, we can't sell like 16 players and rebuild. We're not that sort of team. We're not Chelsea. So it's nice to see that Fabinho can actually be useful and be more than useful because we need more than that. But no, Fabinho's one of my favourite players and him having a mini renaissance is just, it fucking, it's fucking great for me because I, I love that guy. He, he, mm. he turned the midfield into the elite monster, I think it became, um, in our, in our peak days and, yeah, it's good to see him back. It, it, yeah, it was nice to see him be good on the ball as well. But off the ball, those big tackles, he seemed to be the calm head there at times, as I think Carl said that. Um, but, yeah, it, it's really good for him to have this little mini um, renaissance. Happy days indeed. And, um, Guy, I'm going to stick with you. Uh, the player that I'm going to talk about is Mo Salah, hat-trick of assist today. Um, I loved him. I love him anyway. Um, I love the fact that he's having a really poor season and the fact that he still has got ridiculous stats. And, you know, I thought he was, I almost thought he scored in the second half. I can't lie. I was just like, whoa, oh, he missed that. Okay. But he did I, as well. <laughs> yeah, shocking the disbelief. I actually thought he scored a really, really good performance from him. I love the fact that he 
was able to kind of look up, find find the perfect pass, um, you know, just completely negate their their defence, the way he was just working the right channel, not isolated, you know, um, just looked very involved, looked lively, and I love that boy. I I think he is incredible. I just love Mo Salah, but, and, you know, a hat-trick of assists, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think he's one of four or five. I saw a Squawker tweet. I think it's five. And then one of them's Bobby, of course. It's Bobby. <laughs> well, he's one of a handful of players who's done the hat-trick of assists this season. But, yeah, you, you mentioned it earlier. I mean, if it wasn't for him and Alisson, we, we'd be nowhere this season. Um, and to get a hat-trick of assists, and it's almost summarised the season, he wasn't even that good. He was like had fantastic moments, but... It was weird. The attack didn't really click too much. Like I think Gakpo didn't have the best game. Diaz had a couple nice runs, but it wasn't really clicking elsewhere. But more just popped up. I mean, the first ball to to Jones um, for the first goal, I should say. Oh, filthy! Absolutely mm. filthy. And I mean, even the second goal, it's not as like um, eye catching as the first one, but it's just a neat little pass. We didn't really talk about Jones's goal itself, but that's a fabulous finish. But no, I think whatever more having a shit season if he's doing these moments he could be shit well I think Harlan's the example you don't have to be good for 90 minutes you just have to do stuff to be effective and the thing is Mo's cap- more than more than bloody capable of having excellent 90 minutes where he's involved in everything creating chances every other minute being deadly destroying fullbacks um, but he can be this moments player as well and I think anyone anyone who's ever doubted Mo Salah, whether it was when it was that weird debate between the fan base about whether Mane or Salah was better, it's like, lads, we own them both. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> to go back to Hazard, that was an easy target. <laughs> um, but he is, in my lifetime, only topped by Gerard, and that was just because I grew up with Gerard. If you grew up, if you've grew up with this team, I don't think there'll be many people to. Club legend in your lifetime, but no. In, in terms of this game, it, it wasn't like a relentless attacking performance from from him or the or the other attackers by that by that means. But to come away with three assists and one of them was ma- magnificent, one was clever, and one well, it was just an assist for the numbers yeah, off the free yeah, kick. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was that nice. <laughs> yeah. He'll take it. He'll take he was it. The big part. He was the big part of that freaky. Yeah, he <laughs> was. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Kyle, I'm going to come to you because I think guys hit the nail on the head. Yeah, the attack didn't click, but it's about moments, isn't it? The fact that, you know, in those crucial moments, they were deadly. And him finding, you know, Curtis Jones in, in two of those situations, crucial. Yeah, I mean, as Guy pointed out, maybe it wasn't the, the best night for either Gakpo or Diaz but the important thing was that you know it was a good night for Mo and that you know obviously Jones stepped up and got involved in the attack and found himself in the right positions and you know he got a couple of goals and, and that that's what we need I mean I think that's you know it, it's great having you know a, a fantastic front three as we did for a long time in Mane, Sada and Bobby but Really, it's all the better when the entire team's chipping in with goals. I and mean, you know, if maybe one or two of those forwards are having an off night, there, there's someone else to step in. And you know, I think both Mo and and Jones obviously kind of 
parried that attacking threat for us, which is was was what we needed. I mean, as as for Mo himself, I, th- I think the funny thing is, despite a hat trick of assists and a good game, he'll he'll probably go away saying he's disappointed that he missed that chance and and didn't get his twentieth league goal this season. Which is good because that just proves that he's an elite footballer. Um, Carl, I'll stick with you. Anything else or any other player that kind of impressed you from this game? Anyone that you kind of want to highlight? Yeah, I mean, uh, another player I'd like to, to focus on is uh, Virgil. I, I mean, I, I thought, again, it was another solid game from him. He was really commanding at the back. Whenever anything mm-hmm. went down his side, he just stomped it out. It's completely no nonsense. And I mean, uh, you know, we talked about Fabinho and maybe his struggles in the, the first half of the season. Um, and I think Van Dijk's another one that, that faced criticism. And, and rightly so, because I think at times, you know, people were right to, to kind of maybe question his, his effort levels. And it wasn't just for Liverpool. I think there was those questions at the international level as well. But I think he's really stepped it up in, in recent weeks. And I think he's been an important kind of senior player for us in, in helping us kind of along alongside the likes of Fabinho and, and Salah and Alisson and in kind of putting together this run of form. I mean, he, he's been really solid back there. And while the defence maybe hasn't been the best in in this new system but you know that that said we're now on what uh three clean sheets running um but i, I think he has been the one rock back there and it's it's just you know maybe you have to look at it and say maybe he took a bit of a he was tired after last season obviously he entered last season on the back of a big injury still managed to have a very good season but he had to play a lot of football and maybe he's just a bit bit jaded and then obviously that the world cup wasn't at an ideal time and maybe now he's just kind of you know maybe there's kind of even a mental exhaustion there and he's just kind of gotten over that and, and getting back to his football so hopefully really you know, after a bit of a break over the summer, he, he can come back in pre-season and we can really see him get back to, you know, maybe he's not capable of being 100% what he was a couple of years ago, you know, given his age now, but but maybe he can be like 95% of, of the Van Dyke we know and love. So it's just great to see him improving uh, as, as the weeks go on. Yeah. And Guy, any thoughts on Virgil van Dyke and just the defensive pairing in general? I thought... They look pretty comfortable. Yeah, I was going to add an Ebu by extension. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think we got to remember, I mean, I'm not sure how many num- numbers-wise they've played together. I'd guess it's still a relatively young partnership in terms of how long it's been formed. I think, obviously, the yeah. end of last season, they started playing together. But that was still a bit two games of Ebu, game of Matip. This is probably the first time it is literally Ebu, your number one, Undisputed, obviously injury problem um, in between them. Um, but no, it's it still. I don't think anyone, any sane Liverpool fan, would trade either either of these centre backs for anyone in the world. I mean, Ebu for my money, best relatively young centre back. Um, like he is literally a blueprint of a Liverpool centre back. He's six three, six four, fast as anything, an absolute unit. Um perfect at covering Trent uh, at the same time. Van Dyke is well Van Dyke, I don't need to explain to people. And as Carl said, he may not be the best like player in the world, <laughs> Van Dyke, as he was uh, three years ago. 
or four years ago. Um, but he's probably still the best centre back in the country. Let's be honest. I mean, who the fuck's better than him? Lissandro Martinez? No. Um, Varane? No. City lads? Eh, Nathan Aki's been their best defender this season. You know what I mean? Um, so he's still. Yeah. Still untradeable um, in that regard. So, no, I wouldn't trade any of them, either of them, for anyone in the world. It's just about getting them in the right... Yeah, keep them fit, get them in a formation that works, get them settled, get over any injury issues. Um, But in terms of this game, I mean, Leicester didn't do loads. Um, Obviously, Vardy's nowhere near the player he was, like, a few years ago, Mm. um, when he was kind of keeping us up at night (laughs) by just existing. Um, but what they had to do when Ibu got exposed, I can't remember the Leicester player, but there was a time where he got exposed and he's a fucking, he just monstered through someone. I think it might have been Madison or, but I think it was Barnes because Barnes kind of got bullied for a, for a spell in that game. Um, but no, as a pair, still relatively young together. Um, as a pairing, obviously Van Dyke's not young, too young. Um, but yeah, wouldn't trade either of them, and just just magnificent and we just got to find a system that protects them well enough and gets the best out of them but uh yeah as a defensive unit i think trent i don't know if it's just because he's refreshed or the fact that he's in midfield um he seems more asked about like getting back to defend now maybe he just got a rocket up his ass by someone (laughs) um probably helped at a stage but the more we play this free at the back four thing with trent with the more we get used to it, maybe Rob will get more used to being a defensive fullback rather than a, a, a bombarding one. Um, but we're going to keep learning. We're going to keep improving in this formation, and we're certainly going to have bigger tests than um, than Leicester. The only thing about this formation, I'll probably jump this as a question it used to. If we come up against like an elite winger, let's say Real Madrid, seeing as they always yeah. beat us anyway, I, I kind of wouldn't want to play this against Vinicius Junior. No. That that's my only concern with this formation mm. going forward is that when we come up against the best teams, they're gonna have a Vinicius Junior, they're gonna have a Kavicha I can't say a second name. <laughs> um, or even like maybe lesser so maybe like a Matoma or something like that. Mm. That is my only question mark with this formation going forward, but we can figure that out, I suppose. I think the only way it'd work is if like in like the Robertson role there's more of an actual like I'd, I'd say, you know, to play this against those kind of teams, you're going to have to have like three centre backs. Yeah, and I think you're going to have to have like a, like a proper like at least two good sitting defenders, and I don't mean static sitting defenders. I mean the ones that can shield your defence and will have the willingness to move forward. I I think that's the only way it could potentially work. Because what I noticed was at the beginning when we first went to this kind of three, Ibu in a few of the games at the beginning kind of struggled a little. He's not a bad defender. It was just because there was so much space for him to kind of cover. Wasn't Real Madrid one of the first games where we kind of did this? I don't think Trent played in midfield in that game, but didn't we just go, Trent, you just fuck off the centre-back and Ibu will just run up Vinicius Jr. I'm sure I remember that being like the start of this. I might be wrong. I'm gonna have to watch this. I might have to go back. I can't quite remember. I think I'm just not watching it. Yeah, I think I'm just numb and traumatized. But I think that is the only way it works if they're the actual genuine like sort of centre backs. But wing backs running at you, that is going to be really interesting. And you're going to have to have like 
at least then you're going to have to have midfielders, um, mm-hmm. wingbacks who are willing to commit both ways. And that's yeah. the only way it'll work. I mean, if it's somebody that Henderson, it's game over. Yeah, I mean, what did we make? Obviously, Henderson's the boring topic, let's be honest. I'm sure everyone's sick of it. Mm. It, it was a weird game because it was obviously kind of a bit of a shit game of football, but I think on the I, ball we know what Henderson is, but I thought he was he was quite good off it, relatively. Yeah, I thought he had an all right game. You know, like I'm not going to say, oh, he, you know, some glaring errors or anything. One is a free kick as well. And, mm. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. What did you feel about his performance, Carl? Because for me, he just did the job. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, I, I thought he was fairly solid in the, yeah. the first half. You know, nothing special, but he just he was he was involved in a couple of moves and he kind of helped keep us ticking over. Um, I I did think he started to fade a bit in the second half, so I wasn't surprised to see him brought yeah. off for Milner. But but that said, he managed to have just about enough energy left in him to to run at the the last two events and win that free kick, which got us the the all important three third goal and saw us. Home, so can we talk about the third goal? Can we talk about the third goal? I'm wanting someone to talk about the third goal, so come on, talk to me about it. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know, I suppose the first question is, was was it a foul? Leicester didn't seem to think it was, but I I certainly thought it was. I mean, he does, Mm. uh, Evans does get his studs over the greys over the ball, but I mean, he he completely takes the man out. Um, it's so how he kind of launched in as well, right, for me, Carl. Like, it's the way he kind of went in for me. That's a foul. Yeah, yeah, no. It's he wasn't composed at all, which, yeah. Which is interesting because it doesn't really have to be desperation because you know no offense to Henderson but you know he was never known as a menacing dribbler and you know (laughs) now he's you know aging obviously his legs have kind of gone on him and he's running into a crowd of Leicester players I think you know Evans like earlier in the game the commentators were saying how kind of complimenting Evans and saying oh, how you could see him kind of shouting at the other defenders and saying they've missed him in, in recent weeks uh, when they had kind of a, a more naive young defence playing and then yet he's the one who charges out and takes Henderson <laughs> out so I don't quite get that one but uh, nonetheless obviously we get the free kick and the, the commentators are talking how few goals Trent has, has scored this season and and I was looking at him, you know, we haven't been the best at scoring. Well, the, the, Carl, they also said, I think it was the main commentator, he said, Salah and Trent 
is it, it's not an it's a all right pair to pick from from a free kick, and I'm sure many people did the same. The first WhatsApp message I sent was this commentator's never seen us take a free kick. Top bins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah. It's it's. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure any of our, our free kick takers fill me with, with confidence. I mean, Trent has those in him. Um, you know, we we've seen a few of them, but they're 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 not consistent enough you know it's not like Philip Coutinho where you know every time you just take him one you were like 50-50 chance he's going to rifle this in top corner and I've been watching a lot of videos of Alexis McAllister lately and you know he's a nice free kick taker and I'm, I'm thinking you know maybe that'll give us a bit more there but you know maybe I'm glad you didn't say Ward Prowse would have had words <laughs> if they ever bring quarterbacks into to, uh, into football then, then maybe Ward Prowse just bring them on yeah but um, yeah, no, uh, I mean it's a fantastic free from from Trent. I think you know Salah. It's the easiest assist they'll ever get, but at the same time, it's an important one because the 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 role kind of opens up the the angle and and allows Trent to do what he does. And you know, it's it, hopefully is because you know Trent didn't have the the best first half of the season. You know, there's no one will have any qualms with that. You could argue it's because the system we were playing didn't exactly help him, didn't really play to his strengths. But but nonetheless, you know, he he, he seemed frustrated with his game. He was lacking confidence. And I think it's just, you see his body language in recent weeks and just he just seems to be enjoying his football. And that's what you want to see from your team. If your players are enjoying their football, the, the rest is going to come. And it, it really is coming there for him with all the assists and the, the chances he's creating in recent weeks. And, mm. you know, with that confidence as well, I wonder now, is, is that going to start to run to a, a slew of goals for him as well? Because, you know, that, it'd be great. As I said, we, we need more goals from different areas. So so hopefully maybe the, this could be the first of, of many that we, we talk about in, in the months to come. I mean, just to quickly jump in, I've got a quote here from Klopp about the free kick, actually, so perfectly timed. Look at me. Um, uh, so Klopp uh, post Leicester, we should have scored from this free kick routine three times this season, but we defended it ourselves. I won't mention the name of who. You can watch it on YouTube. <laughs> Is he talking Fantastic. about... Yeah, like Henderson cleared yeah. off the line, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, good stuff. Yeah, I mean, Guy, your thoughts on the free kick? I had zero confidence it was going in. <laughs> so, we're kind of shit at free kicks. Um, no, it's good to see. It's a, it's a good string to our ball, but it's just a phenomenal finish. Yeah. Um, nice little layoff, but Trent in those areas for the the level of the caliber of player he is, he should be getting. God, he should at least be scoring a handful of set pieces a season. That if we ever get fouls off for uh, Craig Parson ever, um, but you know, uh, yeah, just phenomenal. It's. I want to see more of that. Like, yes, was it was it Chelsea the other layoff one he did? So maybe maybe they've got this little thing where the layoff free kick is our go to. Um, no, it's a, it's a phenomenal strike, and we need to see more of that. That isn't by Ward Prowse, if anyone ever yeah. recommends signing him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. And guy, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with you. So <laughs> you you had a little rant about the referee. That was one of your standout points. So yes. um, you just mentioned him again. So I'll let you take the soapbox on this one. Well, 
I only I put the sky footage on about 10, 15 minutes before kickoff, and anyone mm-hmm. who was watching saw Howard Webb chatting up shit about the standard of refereeing. And then about five seconds into the game, Craig Parsons given Leicester about three fouls for three dives. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the level of refereeing is in the toilet in this country. Like When I was growing up, Howard Webb was the um, primary ref. He was the main ref. Yeah. And I'm guessing most of us Liverpool fans thought he was kind of crap. But yeah. I would take that ref, who I still believe favoured Man United to this day, over this current shower of referees. Like, um, who was the other main one? The Geordie. I can't remember his bloody name. Um, the other ref who replaced Howard Webb, he was better than these. Clattenburg, that's his bloody name. Um, Clattenburg, Webb. The, I don't think those were great referees, but they're just all better than these. I think there's some, like, inoffensive ones like um, Chris Kavanagh, but he's had a few stinkers for us and obviously for mm. other clubs this season. And then there's, like, Michael Oliver. He's been hor- I think he's getting worse and worse season on season. Anthony Taylor last week against Brentford may have been the worst refereeing performance I've ever seen, um, apart from the what was it, the Club World Cup final one where he just kind of gave up on life for most of the game. Um, but no, the standard of the referees in the toilet and the fact that Craig Parsons seemingly is at like one of the top tier ones apparently is terrifying because he's dreadful and he's been always dreadful. Um, yeah, and it, it it's not like he got anything big wrong. It was just that every little decision, probably for both teams, was wrong. Like they'll think that free kick was never a free kick. Um, and you could see why, because he did kind of get the ball, but it was a fucking daft, uh, daft challenge. But yeah, just and this is probably just from a club bias thing. But every little foul we did was given as a free kick, and that Ebu getting booked, he got the ball. Yeah, he got the ball. Like, oh, it was just an absolute shit show, and I'm sure Trev will be doing a full ref watch better than I can over on Raw. But it's a. It's a it's a problem that the IFAB and all the other knobheads need to fix because it's a problem with VAR, it's a problem with the actual refereeing on the field, and it's going to take an entire generation to fix because you can't just pluck out referees from the championship because they're all seemingly terrible at the job as well. But mm. it, the standard of refereeing is going down year by year as the players get faster and fitter. So unless you're hiring footballers to be referees, I don't see, like, cup, not retired footballers, like actual peak athlete footballers to keep up with a player. I don't see how they fix it unless they invent robot referees. Unless they have like two referees in each half. I don't know. Yeah, Um, something like that. Anything. It's just so (laughs) daft. It is really bad. It's 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 really, really shocking. And um I'm gonna come to Carl with the referee thing. I mean guys hit the nail on the head. He was really bad. They have been really bad. I don't see what the hype is about the modern day referee. And if you try calling it out, you get in trouble. So what yeah, do you do? I mean I, I was just thinking about that, you know, I'm sure we've all seen that uh um now infamous refereeing charity account arguing with Liverpool fans on Twitter. Oh God, really? Have you you not seen that? Uh, oh, like it's a... fantastic! Someone send me the link. Yeah, he he slags oh. off Klopp all the time. He's proper. I, I I saw him having like a you know throwing childish insults at uh, Graham Kelly at one point, and I was like, as as I come to this, I'm like 
you know, if I was someone contributing to this charity, I'd be like, what, what the hell? Like, it's bizarre to me, like, but uh, it's nonetheless happening. And, and that's, that's the problem, really. I mean, refs are far too protected yeah. in, in, in this country and, and they're not held to a high enough standard. And, you know, I, I was thinking to myself, you know, I remember back in, I'd say it would have been around the time Rafa Benitez with the, was with the club that, uh, you know, one, one of the refs, uh, Yanaya Rennie, got um, relegated because he was deemed not fit enough to be a Premier League ref. So, you know, if you can get relegated for, for not being fit enough, surely you can be relegated for not being good enough. But I suppose mm. the problem is then they'd have no referees because I literally can't, I think, but as as Guy said, the refereeing in this country has never been great. There's always been like a handful of refs that you can pick out and say they're absolute dire. But there equally was always a handful that you'd say they were solid refs. You know, they get things right. But right now I can't think of one ref I like. You know, there, there might be yeah. one that's the best of a bad bunch, but that, that's what it is. It's the best of a bad bunch. And it's a real problem. And, and again, as, as Guy suggested, like you're not going to fix it overnight. And the, the but the real problem is it feels like they have no intention of even trying to fix it. Like they they think it's fantastic. You have all these spokespersons coming on, and you know you have the ex referees that are on BT or Sky, and they're like, oh, you got that perfectly right. You know, you, you got that right. Like they, it, it's it's like ask my brother if I'm a liar. Like they they're they're all completely on each other's side, and yeah, you know, like a mob isn't it? Mob mentality. Exactly. I mean, and. They, Therefore, you have to ask who, who's holding them accountable, and, and the answer is no one. And, and therefore, what reason do they have to improve if, if no one's getting on their back about it, except for the fans on social media and the maybe the, the journalists? But at the end of the day, they just ignore them. Yeah, I can't see it improving anytime soon. I really can't. Um, it's, it's really, really rubbish. We don't like the referees here. Yeah, and um, Michael Oliver, he was like, I don't know, he was kind of seen as probably the best one, but he's falling falling to the side as well. I don't I just don't see how this improves and somebody needs to hold them accountable. Guys, um I don't know, is there anything kinda of you want to talk about from this game? Uh, maybe the club subs, Cavalio coming on. What did you make of that guy? Um it was nice to see him get minutes. Mm. I don't think he did much with them. No. But it's it's been a weird season for him and I think I've kind of got to um, contradict myself, kind of, but I just picked up um, Curtis Jones coming back from me wanting him loaned out. But I think Carvalho is probably one we need to think about loaning out because he doesn't really have a natural position in our squad, squad in either formation. Um, probably more, so, He probably has more of a fit in this formation because we obviously have like the two wide midfielders who kind of become number 10s. So he could probably play one of them, or he could play in the forward role, I think, a bit more in this one. Um, but if we go back to the 4-3-3, he has zero positions. Um, so yeah, I think I think Gag's put a thing in the transfer thing, not to spoil it, but Southampton, if they're looking for people on loan, it, it's probably a good fit, but we need to know who the next manager and stuff is like that. We know he's good in the in the champion in the championship. It's probably a team that will be looking to bounce straight back up, so maybe we could do a two-year loan if they get promoted. Um, it's nice to see him, because I think everyone would agree there's talent in there, more so what we've seen at Fulham, but he needs minutes, and if we are to improve the squad in the summer, which we hopefully will, 
he probably won't get them at Liverpool. Although if we're in the Europa League, he can play that, I suppose. Eh, yeah. No, just loan him. Loan him to Southampton or Leicester, because they look horrendous. Um, the only thing I'd probably want to talk about, Nina, is, is Leicester themselves. I mean, we kind of touched mm. on a bit, but how have they gone from being, well, bottling the Champions League position, let's be honest, to being this bad? I know there's been a drop-off in times of teams who have challenged for Europe. We saw it in Southampton, but they've only just got relegated. Um, it, it's a mad drop-off, and I know the defence is shocking because, like, Luke Fraser is probably fifth on our player of the year at the minute. <laughs> um, especially after today, he wasn't yeah, good again. Yeah, <laughs> he was awful. Top for scoring good against, <laughs> you know, yeah, in this tie, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, their midfield and their attack, I know Vardy's not the same player, but Ineonacho or Dakar, I mean, they cost like 60 mil between them. But that midfield, I mean, Sumare looks like he could be something. Taylorman's used to be really good, and Didi used to be like the most promising defensive midfielder prospect in the league. Barnes is still good. I think he's not improved as much as people had hoped. But Madison's like an elite. He's a top six player if I've ever seen one. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand how they're this this bad. Because I think I can't remember if we mentioned it on pod. It might have been before we started recording. They have zero business being that bad. Like yeah. The the fact they don't have a goalkeeper probably doesn't help either, but they should be nowhere near the relegation zone. They're better than Southampton, Leeds, Everton, Bournemouth, everyone else. They should not be there. And the fact that it took them that long to sack Rodgers and then to hire Dean Smith, mm. like, no offence to Dean Smith, but he's just failed at Norwich, who literally only exists to get promoted from the Championship. How do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> um, they could have just gone and got, let's say, a Rafa Benitez because Carl just brought him up. Go hire Rafa Benitez. Give him a give him to a two year contract. You stay in the league. Rafa Benitez would keep them in the league. He kept fucking Newcastle in the league when they had um, Mike Ashley in charge, and he had a budget of about twelve pence. It's a yeah, just it's an embarrassing thing from them. And you mentioned what seven years ago they won the league. If if let, it's weird because I don't. Leicester have been a fun team over the years, but there's always been something I just re- never really liked about them. Especially, I admit, it might have been how they treated Ranieri. Um, but yeah, and the Tories. Yeah, the Tory thing as well. But that's half yeah. the bloody country, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> true. Um, my people voted Lib Dem up here the other day. <laughs> um, anyway, that's personal problems. But no, Leicester—they're going down. I think Carl mentioned it whilst we were recording. They just do not give. I'm having Kieran actually. They just do not look like they give a single Tory fuck about that club. So they are going down a hundred percent. Yeah, I think a lot of those main players, Carl, look like they're probably looking for a move away now. And I think, you know, I think they started the season really bad. I think the stats speak for themselves. They started off really bad. And, you know, that was the time to maybe move, make, you know, make an adjustment, make a change, maybe remove Brendan Rodgers during, before the World Cup and then use that time to find someone and, you know, like, or, or have somebody lined up. I think they left it too late. I think that was the detriment. And I think as the results got worse and worse and worse, the players' momentum, drive, motivation kind of dropped further, further low. And, you know, and then you bring in like uh, an uninspiring person like Dean Smith, 
how is he supposed to bring, you know, like rise the momentum towards the end of the season? Like it should have happened a lot earlier on. Look at Aston Villa. They were in relegation scrap. They were there under with Steven Gerrard. Did the right thing, sacked Steven Gerrard, rightly so, bringing Unai Emery, a new manager, good manager, fresh ideas, and look at them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's bizarre to to talk about a team that won the league not so long ago, and now it looks like they're they're doomed. Um, and and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, Guy touched on their recruitment. I, I think it was pretty decent initially. You know, they they brought in players like Ndidi and Pereira and Madison, and you know, nice mix of um kind of some some player established players, but then also some youth. They didn't get it all right. There was a couple of big money flops, uh, particularly up front. The, the likes of Slamani come to mind, but mm. for the most part, they got it right. But I think really in the Brendan Rodgers era, the recruitment just it hasn't been there that there's been, you know, for fan obviously came in and they, they sold them on for, for a big profit, but mm. outside that, there really isn't anything there. You, you struggle. I think there's particular areas of the team where they, they, they struggle to add. I think they've, they've been on a quest for a right winger for as long as I can remember. And they've been looking for a successor to Vardy, you know, Itchy Nacho came in, he's been decent, but he's not an out and out finisher in front of goal as we know unfortunately all too well when he missed that chance against Man City that could have won us the title uh, but the less said about that the better oh, um, but the, the Even three... Bournemouth did better right in terms of sacking Scotty and bringing in um, uh, Gary O'Neill Smart Yeah, yeah. yeah I think the, the, the real thing though for them you know and I'm not you know I'm I'm one a Liverpool fan who generally d- defends Brendan Rodgers, you know, I don't think he's as bad as some people Irish make out. But but things things yeah. had gone completely stagnant <laughs> there, and mm. I think they were they were just obviously they they have their financial woes. Their their owners were were hit something serious by the COVID being a you know a, a travel business, and the the money wasn't there, and they were just so hesitant to sack Brendan Rodgers because they'd have to pay him off and they left it as late as they could and just unfortunately they they left it too late i mean if they, they'd gotten a manager who could come in and, and give them a boost with, with a lot more gain to pay. you know like again i you know it, it's hard on dean smith because he's he's come in and been expected to, to turn around things when a, a team are completely in the dumps and he, he only has so long to do it i mean it, it kind of reminds me of um when Big Sam came in at uh, West Brom a few mm-hmm. seasons ago, and he actually had them playing all right towards the end, but he just didn't wasn't left with enough time. Now he he did get a positive impact. Dean Smith hasn't, but nonetheless, I I think you need time to to be able to have that positive impact, and then for that positive impact to to pay dividends. And Leicester weren't going to give <clears throat> weren't going to give any manager that chance because there just wasn't enough time. Yeah. I mean, so I guess the next question I'm going to ask you about Leicester is, um, uh, obviously, some of those players are going to be looking for an out, sinking ship. So um, is there anybody that you would take from Leicester? I know Madison's a name that gets thrown around a fair bit. I want to get your thoughts on that one. Uh, it's it's tough to say. I mean, it... I, I suppose in what we're looking for now with a kind of this 10 slash 8 in, in this system, I mean, Madison is is potentially a, an option there. I mean, he, he wouldn't be my preferred option. Mm. 
particularly if if we're thinking we're getting McAllister in, you know, I'd, I'd like someone who's maybe a little different, you know, someone maybe who's a bit more physical and a bit kind of quicker, covers more yeah. ground, um, would be my preference. But, it, you know, he's certainly not a player I'd say no to. Um, similarly, Harvey Barnes is another one. Um, obviously, at the moment, he kind of plays in wide areas for Leicester, but everyone has always kind of thought he'll come kind of more narrow and, and play as an attacking midfielder down the road. So I think he could potentially be another option there. And then outside that, though, it's it's tough because there are talented players there, but I think a lot of them have suffered from injuries and, and haven't quite been the same. I mean, um, players like Pereira, who were excellent when they came in, coupled back-to-back mm-hmm. bad injuries, and now he looks finished. You know, uh, and, um, I can't pronounce his name, so I'm, I'm going to butcher this, but Castagne, um, you know, on paper, he's a, uh, you know, potential option for us in that he's a fullback who can play both sides. He'd be a great squad player to have for, for when we want to play a back four, you know, to, to bring him in. But again, he's had a few injuries and, and maybe quite hasn't looked as good since them. So, um, yeah, I, I think really the, the main two you'd be looking at there for me would be Barnes and, and Madison as mm-hmm. potentials. Yeah. Guy, anything you want to add to that? Um, he didn't play today, I don't think. Maybe just didn't have enough of the ball for me to notice it. Um, uh, Dewsbury Hall, the <laughs> stately home. Um, yeah. If we're looking, if we are looking for homegrown people, I think he could be a decent option, probably cheap. But Barnes, I think he'd be, he'd probably be more expensive than Madison at this stage. And I, I think I hinted at early. He's just not really developed into the player I think most people thought he would. Um, Madison. Madison on the ball is fantastic, and obviously he's good at set pieces and stuff like that. You'd, it's probably one for the... Well, we've got the committee, uh, transfer committee, maybe. I might have to ask Kennett to get the off-ball numbers on him, because if they do go down and he's at a cut-price deal... I mean, we're linked with Mason Mount, and I think the, they are very different players, but if Mason Mount's going for, like, I don't know, let's say 60 to 70 million, and we could get Madison for 20 to 30 million... Can we, I don't know, beat Madison into running a bit more to make that gap smaller? So I think on the ball, I think Madison's better than Mason Mountain, if anything. It's just maybe the off-ball stuff. But um, if we play, if we're going to keep with this like two split number ten things, I think Madison and Henderson's role on the ball would be magic. It's just that off-ball thing um, is the issue. Maybe worth a gamble if the price is right. But I'd say Dewsbury Hall and. Um, and Madison are the two. I mean, there's nothing in defence and nothing in attack, really. Yeah. Right, guys. I think we've come to the end of the pod. So, Guy, I'm going to stick with you. Anything else you want to kind of highlight from the game? If not, give us your man of the match shout. Um, yeah, just to go back to him, it's, it's Curtis Jones. Um, it feels weird, the lad getting three assists and he's not man of the match, but Curtis Jones was probably more impactful than um, than Mo in, in, in general play. And... His the both his goals were fantastic uh, in different ways. The the second one's a fantastic finish, and the first the first one's a a really nice run from deep. Um, we don't really see that from any of our midfielders, so it's a really nice option to have if he keeps doing that, becoming more and more confident. But Curtis Jones for me, e- easy man of the match. Nice. Uh, for me, I'm gonna say one of my highlights was I'm gonna give a shout out to the travelling cop. Really loud, really vocal. Um, 
it's good to see that kind of atmosphere and hearing the Bobby song as well and Bobby Firmino smiling on, on the bench as well, which was which was really, really nice. And I would have to agree with you. I think Curtis Jones deserves man of the match. Really good performance, got two goals, improving week on week and long may it continue. And Carl, I will come to you. Yeah, I, I don't think it'd be, you know, having Guy and I on a pod without one of us making a, a video game reference. That that Bobby song, you know, play is nonstop for about 20 minutes. Reminded me kind of of the FIFAs back in the day when they first had crowd songs, but they only had kind of like one song. So to just go on loop. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that was it was great to hear, though. And, and hopefully, you know, I really hope that, that Bobby gets his, his chance to get on the pitch um against Villa on the weekend, even if it's only for two or three minutes just to get a, a proper farewell. I mean my, my ideal obviously in general I would love us to, to win the game comfortably, but it'd be great if we were like three nil up and then we can bring on Bobby Ox and Milner so that they can can have their farewell on, on the Anfield. And Nabby. Pitch. I'll stand him for life. Uh, and Nabby. Na- Nabby's not making a squad before Yes he is. is. He may not be able to walk but he'll make the squad. <laughs> But uh, you know, as for my man of the match, yeah, no, I'd I'd have to agree. It, it's it's certainly Curtis Jones. I mean, shout out to Fabinho and and Salah. They were both excellent. Yeah. But you know, Jones was the, you know, he he really made himself counted today. You know, not not just the the two goals, but just his general play. I mean, and I think this is what the 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 second pod in recent weeks that he's going to get man of the match in so I, th- I think along with his you know nine premier league starts you know being his most in a, in a season in a row he, he can now add you know two nina Kowser show yeah. to, to his records this season so that's what you um, play for that is <laughs> that is the motivation right there so hopefully he, he continues this uh, as, as we've said you know he's just he's been so important for us lately and, and long may it continue Absolutely. So there you go. Curtis Jones is our man of the match. Guys, if you're listening, let us know your man of the match. Give us your thoughts and your shouts. We'd love to hear from you. This is the end of the show, but I'm going to quickly get some plugs. So, Carl, you keep talking about this game pod. It better happen off season because all the games are kicking off. You told me this. So um, some plugs from you and where can people find you on social media? Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, we're Guy and I both here on the hot seat now. You know, we've we've no excuses now once the season. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to get, get back into it. So I'm sure the, the two of us will have a chat with, with Steve and, and look about lining up that show we've been talking about for a while. Um, as for social media, you can catch me on Twitter at KMAC of the Cop. So uh, feel free to give me a, a follow there. And uh, yeah, no, that's that's everything for me for for now. Uh, thanks again for for having me on. It was great to to see off another win. No, it was wonderful having you on. And Harinda there just chimed in on Discord saying Firmino's his man of the match. I love that. We're going to keep doing that. Keep using that picture, hopefully. And Guy, um, uh, I don't know if you know this, but every time Carl's been on, he keeps talking about you know your, your gaming pod, and he's like, "Oh, we just need to tie Guy down. We need to tie Guy down." He tempted fate. You're on the same pod now, so you guys have to make that happen. And where can people find you on social media, Guy? And is there anything you'd like to plug? I blame Stephen for being ill, apparently lying. Um, <laughs> um, I'll be in the background of most podcasts, so at Guy Drinkle. I'm not sure what I'll be on. Maybe the next main pod, but it depends. I am the spare wheel, but I like the fact that Carl has taken my place as the pod whore, um, seemingly, over on AI, so I like this. 
I, I gave him face off all those years ago, and now he's the pod horror of AI again. Um, but in terms of plugs, yeah, we'll we'll do a what? It's it's E three season for the nerds out there soon, even though E three doesn't exist anymore. So we'll do something when the season finishes, because well, there's nothing else to talk about. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll do one up again in the future soon. Yeah, thanks guys. Thanks everyone for listening to the Nina Kalza show. That's a wrap. Till next time, take care and up the reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.